This is the murderer you know. I'm ready to start the segment. All right, ready? Recording in progress. Welcome to the murderer you know. Oh, we should see who does the <laughs> that voice. Is is that a real person or a robot? I, no, that's just my <laughs> alternate personality. I know who like, it is. What? It's the lady who tells us the recording has started. Oh yeah, you're right. We it should is that see if she can do announcements for us. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> who is the lady voice? Who's the Zoom, Zoom voice recording lady? Well, hi. Hello. Hello. I'm going to say that I got a kitten this week. I hate you. I'm so happy for you. So cute. You can't even understand. I really thought you were going to be like, nah, we're not doing a segment today. There's kittens in my house. Well, she needs naps. Kittens need a lot of sleep. Sweet sleep. And I, she's trying to adjust to a new house, two mm. new dogs, and a new cat. Mm. And the cat, well, he is very skittish mm. in the beginning of anything new. So I think everyone was ready for a little bit of a break. <laughs> We call that quiet time at my house. Mm-hmm. Yes, quiet yep. time. We have that same thing. So I love because have- the kids are always so mad. What am I, how am I supposed to entertain myself? Well, that's kind of the theory. Like figure it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Go rest. Yeah. It's good practice for the rest of your life. For sure. Where people aren't always going to be entertaining you constantly. Good practice for little kitty to get some naps. So yeah, but she's really sweet and cute. Very, very sweet. I can't believe you talked your husband into it. Literally the last time we spoke seven days ago, he was (laughs) (laughs) against it. And we were going to have to pretend you found a kitten in a dumpster. Even until like last night when we were going to pick her up, he (laughs) was in such a bad mood. He was like, well, I don't want to pick her up today. I was like, well, what? what difference does it make? Like I have to do my laundry. (laughs) (laughs) He had to make it nice for her. What the hell? I was like, I'll do your laundry for you. He was like, well, we didn't make space for the second litter box yet. I was like, well, she's going to be in, we have her in the bathroom, you know, with a little crate and a blankie and her food and a litter box. And her litter box is going to be separate for a little while. Anyway, it's going to be a while before she's just wandering around the house 24 seven with everybody else. And so he, you know, was kind of mulling over that and didn't really have anything else to contribute. And then I was like, well, do you, my car is really small as you know. So we're like, coming home from my parents. We're going to swing by and get the kitten. And also, I don't know what he was even mad at me for. The lady texted me and was like, do you want to pick your kitten up today? I don't know. I guess he (laughs) wanted me to say no. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) So we're driving literally past her house from my parents' house to home. And I'm like, do you want me to take you home first and go back and get the kitten by myself? And he was like, no, it's fine. And then we got there. I just want to be mad about it the entire time. (laughs) And then we got there and picked her up and he was like, Oh, hi, baby. Oh, let me give you don't a touch. Switch. Don't touch my cat. Give I'll my cat. just hold her. I don't want to put her in the crate in the trunk. It's not a trunk. It's a hatchback. It's not like we were closing her inside a trunk. He was like, oh, I'll just hold her crate on, on my lap. And then we got home and he was like, oh, I just love her so much. She's so sweet. Look at her. She's so funny. I was like, mm-hmm. That's <laughs> literally... That's literally also your father. I know. A hundred times out of a hundred times. I know. It made me think of that so much. I was like, wow, because I did tell him I found a cat in in a dumpster. I remember. (laughs) I remember that. That's where I learned the trick, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and he was like, this little motherfucker is going to the... He was like, this cat's going to the shelter tomorrow. He is going to kill you if you don't take that part out. He was like, this cat's going to the shelter tomorrow. You cannot have this cat. And then I woke up the next morning and he was like hand feeding the cat. 
milk soaked kibble from his hand laying on the kitchen floor with him and they became best friends inseparable little buddy anyway well I feel like we almost like have to gear up for the shit storm that we're about to talk about on these episodes yeah so we like we goof around we pretend that we're not here for what we're really here for let me tell you though I know we were we kind of weren't sure what we were going to talk about last week I hope but... you can hear me good can you hear me good do I sound good I think so let me move some shit around really quick I hope I sounded good and all of that I feel like my mic's like off to the side a little bit all right I'm mm. back okay I think well, I was just saying, I know we were kind of unsure about what we were going to talk about this week, but right. once I actually got the case files, I don't know. I got really into this one really fast. I know you were kind of leaning toward talking about your best friend from middle school this week, which would be more consistent with the theme of our show, because we do not know anyone or anything involved in this story but like I said I just got super hooked on it when I was reading the case files and I think that it's really interesting so I mentioned last week when you were talking about your best friend from middle school and I said we could do that one or we have one that's a little bit of a mystery so we're gonna go with the one that's a little bit of a mystery I mean I I have no idea what's going on so we'll I'm save, here for it. We'll save best pal for next. Well, actually, I think this is going to be a two-parter, Okay, um, but we'll save best pal for week after next then, I think. Well, um, all right. Let me get a snack. Get and, your popcorn. Uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm buckled. I'm <laughs> ready to figure out because you texted me. I don't even remember what you texted me, but you texted me a little snippet, like a little factoid. And I was like, what in the hell is she talking about? I have no idea. Well, like most, like a lot of true crime things that I know about, my mom first told me about this one. She can lie all she wants, but I fully, she used to watch Murder, She Wrote when I was a little baby, a babe in arms. She used to watch Cops. And that shit rubbed off on me, I think. And I, ta- I tried to talk to her about it. And she was like, I did not. I've never watched Cops. But she can't explain to me why I know the theme song. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do for you? So anyway, she first told me about this back when it was actually happening in 2020 mm. and hadn't evolved much yet but a lot has happened since she first mentioned it to me and what she mentioned to me on December 3rd 2020 was that a young resident of an adult home disappeared so that's what we're going to talk about so this is like a residential yeah it's like an adult of people live in there no it's living there yeah I think it's probably more than a couple of people. Mm, Um, I think it's a pretty, like a facility that's a pretty good size. So December 3rd, like I said, 2020, this young resident was supposedly seen napping during room rounds in her room at 3 p.m. So that's where we're going to start our story. So how many people, I don't think you said how many people you do think are staying in this. I actually don't know. No, I think it's probably around 25 30 people. So a a big place. Yeah. It's, I I think it's, I don't know a lot about how this kind of thing works, but I think it's mostly sort of a retirement community, but adults who can take care of themselves, but have some sort of mental or physical impairment can stay there as well. So it's not really a facility where nurses are taking care of you. They have to feed you and change you and help you do day-to-day things. It's more just light attendance by nurse staff and they're just there if you need something. And apparently there's a big difference and I didn't learn a lot about it, but there's apparently a big difference between a facility where you live because you need constant care and attention to survive in terms of what regulations and things you have to follow legally. And there is for a facility where you really just need, you know, your meds given to you. I'm sure they have to keep a way better eye on them, you know, I'm the sure. higher level of care they need. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. So this was, was 
you know, a facility where people that could take care of themselves lived, but they also weren't necessarily people who could hold jobs and do those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, So they did need, you know, a safe, reliable place to live if that wasn't with a family member. Three o'clock, one of the staff members says that she sees this young lady napping. And then later when dinner was served around five, the young woman didn't come to eat dinner. So that same attendant who did room rounds at three went and checked all of the rooms in the facility, but was unable to locate the resident around 8 PM. A 911 call was placed and officers were dispatched the missing woman and her, I want to, her mom has been pretty active since this happened. And she's become an advocate for people who are differently abled for victims. And she describes her daughter as a daughter, granddaughter, niece, and cousin who was a child of God, a singer, and a poet. She was also loving, caring, beautiful, generous, and talented. She had recently moved, actually, remember this is December. She had very recently moved to this facility in early September. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this particular home was kind of far away from where she grew up and where her mom lived. In the police reports, they called it like her social security payee or something like that. So I'm not sure if your financial support can dictate where it is you get to live or if, you know, she, she or her mom just wanted her to move for some reason. How Um, old is the woman that we're focusing on? In 2020, she was 29. Okay. So yeah, she, before she moved to this facility in our hometown, she lived in another community where she actually had a boyfriend. And when she moved, she maintained a long distance relationship with him. Mm. The responding officer arrived and he made contact with the person who reported the young woman missing. And that was the same woman who did the room rounds at three. He learned that this attendant had last seen the young woman in her room around three and that all of the rooms in the facility had been checked for her. He also learned from the attendant that the young woman didn't really have any close friends at the home and that she and her roommate didn't really get along. Okay. So we got two suspects. Well, three (laughs) suspects. We got long distance boyfriend, nurse and roommate. Okay. All right. Proceed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After chatting with that attendant a little while longer, the officer went to the missing woman's room and he noticed that her bed was made. Her personal belongings were all in their designated areas. They kind of had these little shelves for their stuff and her purse was there. And he also said there was no sign of a runaway note or anything like that being left. He did talk to the roommate briefly and she just said she had seen her earlier in the day, but had no idea what time. A likely story. (laughs) The deputy with the investigating officer said that he believed he saw someone fitting the young woman's description walking around down main street. And we've talked about Walmart before in our hometown, (laughs) which is it's a staple. It's a staple. Yeah. It's a staple. That's a good way to put it. So he thought he saw someone matching her description, walking down main street around four 30 or five. And he asked the staff and the roommate there, if the young woman was wearing or had a white, blue and pink rain jacket or windbreaker, but no one could confirm one way or another, if she had a jacket matching that description, or if she was wearing it. So it wasn't super helpful. Interesting. After they chatted with the roommate, the officers went and did a walkthrough. So like the attendant before them, they checked every single room. They checked all the common areas and they checked the outdoor area at the facility and they didn't find any signs of her. Not looking good. No. They talked to several other people that lived there and collected some information from those people and from other members of the staff. And they learned a little bit about what it looks like to live in that facility. The first thing they asked if the young woman could sign herself out of the facility and go walk around in the community if she wanted to. And they said, yes, that she Hmm. was allowed to sign herself out and go out if she wanted to. Apparently there was a a church nearby that had kind of like a 
they called it a clothes closet. So I guess donated clothes and you can go and I don't know if it's buy for a really low price or just pick out items that you like. Um, Apparently she did really like to go there, but she did not frequently leave and she was not known to leave at night, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. And she did suffer, they learned, from delusions and was intellectually disabled in addition to suffering from several other mental and health issues. And she didn't have a car or I think a little bit more concerning, she didn't have a cell phone. Apparently her cell phone had actually been stolen by someone that lived or worked in the facility where she lived. A suspect, a perpetrator. They did, though, try to call her most recent cell phone number with no success. They were concerned for a number of reasons, obviously, but especially because she hadn't received her nightly prescriptions before she went missing. Well, and I mean, also, she has delusions that I mean, that seems concerning to me. Yeah. And they learn a little bit more from the mom about her exact diagnoses. But yeah. And also, there's no indication that she did sign herself out, is there? Not yet. It was also very cold. I mean, again, Mm. we were talking December and it was going to be pretty chilly that night. So they were worried about her being out there in the cold. They were worried to the extent that they actually deployed a canine and their handler that night to look for her. And we're going to talk more about the canine and other searches, but I just wanted to mention right now that they, that night immediately deployed the canine because they were worried about the temperature, about the fact that she hadn't had her meds. And while the canine and his handler were out, the missing woman's mother arrived on scene. So they got a little bit more information about the woman. The mom told officers that her daughter had schizoaffective disorder, which is apparently a combination of bipolar and schizophrenia that she had hypothyroidism and also had a mass on her brain, possibly a cyst and a seizure disorder. She told the officers that without her Depico, she would suffer from seizures and without her other meds, she would likely become confused and emotional. Hmm. The mom also let the officers know that there generally wasn't anywhere her daughter would go. And that since the facility was on lockdown during COVID, she had expressed to her daughter, she didn't want her going anywhere for her safety. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Not a good sign either. I just, COVID. (laughs) Right. Additionally, the officers learned that at around 9.50 that morning, the young woman's mom received a voicemail from her daughter from another resident's phone. And she said that she missed seeing her mom and she just wanted to give her a hug for Christmas. In another part of the voicemail, she mentioned that although she and her mom didn't always see eye to eye, they would always forgive even if they didn't forget. I mean, I just feel, I mean, for anyone, everyone, the world, I think the COVID lockdown was shit. And I mean, I know some people are still experiencing it to certain degrees, hopefully less and less, but I think for someone like, for, like I said, for anyone, but for someone like this, who's in a place where they can't really see their family members because where they live is on lockdown and they're completely isolated from everyone they know and love. I mean, even for people with somewhat robust mental health, can you imagine what that isolation would be like and what it could do to you potentially? No, I mean, it definitely, it affected everybody, but yeah, people who are, you know, already struggling, people who are in Mm -hmm. sort of situation where they can't be with their loved ones on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. that's gotta be (sighs) tough. Sad. Yeah. Very sad. I want to go back to a couple of other things they learned from this young woman's mom. She told the officers that her daughter was doing okay in the facility for the past couple of days, but that since moving there in September, she had often told her mom that she felt unsafe. Uh, she, that doesn't seem okay. I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we don't know these people at all, but I just... Maybe that maybe mom just thought she needed time to get used to it. And yeah, maybe she doesn't adjust well to change. Mm, Interesting. But she told her mom that she had been sexually harassed by a male resident who kept approaching her and asking her to have sex with him. 
She also told her mom that some of her personal belongings had been stolen, like her cell phone, which we already touched on briefly. Her phone was actually stolen about a week before she went missing. She called her mom that day from another phone and told her mom that she thought they were doing something to her. Who is they? I know. The mom also told officers that her daughter was incredibly naive and that she was very trusting of strangers and would get in the car with anyone without much hesitation. Oof. Yeah. And her mom was really worried that if her daughter did get in the car with someone, they could do awful things to her. And she expressed many, many times that she was sure something horrible had happened to her daughter and that it just wasn't like her to leave without a trace, without contacting anyone at all. Right. So the mom also told the officers and the staff that her daughter had been hanging out with a 52 year old resident and crocheting, but the staff at the facility remained very adamant throughout the course of the entire investigation, but especially this first night saying that the young woman did not have any friends there and did not have anyone that she hung out with. So unfortunately there wasn't anything else about this particular person that she was supposedly hanging out with and crocheting with in the police reports that I got. So I don't know if there wasn't, yeah. yeah, I don't know if there wasn't even anyone at the facility who fit that description or if they talked to that person who was like, I'm not, I don't hang out with her. Like, I don't know. There was no, no other mention of this woman that she'd supposedly been hanging out with other than that. The the staff at the facility were like, no, she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't hang out with anyone. And she hasn't been crocheting with anybody. And so I'm not really sure what to think about that, but just kind of these these details all seem kind of important to me. And I think you'll see why. Fascinated to see why. (laughs) After a lengthy discussion, the mom was advised that all units would be leaving the facility and that they would be putting out, I mean, it's, they, you know, call it a bolo, which is a be on the lookout for her daughter. The mom asked for frequent updates and she just insisted that something was not right. I think she was, I mean- I can't imagine she was so upset and frantic and worried like anybody would be. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she's probably going through every worst scenario Mm -hmm. before or while I'm not sure exactly which issuing that bolo, the officers also submitted something called a Virginia missing person information clearing house report SP 67 and a VCIN five message. And these things were literally just written like that in the police reports. (laughs) Do any of these words mean anything to you as a lawyer? Is it something you've seen in cases that you've been involved with? Yeah. I don't know what a clearinghouse report is, but VCIN is the Virginia criminal information network. Uh, There's a national and NCIC as well. And so basically when you think of an officer running someone's information, that's what that's what they mean. That's where mm-hmm. they're running it. They're running it through the, the VSIN or the NCIC. And so what that would mean is if they had located her or if an mm. officer had asked her for her date of birth, then there would be some sort of indication on the VSIN like, hey, this is a missing person. This is somebody that's being looked for. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess that a lot of what comes after this makes sense then. They said that After filing those things, they also physically checked because they did not find anything in those databases. Mm -hmm. Um, They also physically checked all of the open hotels in the area. They checked gas stations. I mean, you, if I said these places, the names of these places to you, you would recognize them, but I don't think they really mean anything to anybody else. Yeah. So just generically gas stations, fast food restaurants, store parking lots, church parking lots, and all of the hospitals in the area. In fact, within the following days, they notified all hospitals within our entire region of Virginia to be on the lookout for anyone matching her description. And on December 9th, the administrative coordinator for law enforcement contacted all mental health facilities in our region as well, telling them to be on the lookout for someone matching that description and asking if they had admitted anyone matching her description. Mm -hmm. 
all of these things were basically coming up with nothing. So they started, they also pretty quickly started working with the media. So social media, they made quite a few Facebook posts asking for help, describing the woman, describing the situation. They went around to businesses and gave out handbills, which I guess are like missing posters. Yeah, I would think so. They called them handbills, but they made sure those were publicly distributed and posted all throughout the town. They worked with the traditional media who did several stories on her to increase public awareness. So I think this is kind of where we are. Nothing is working yet. Clock is ticking, man. No signs of her. Yeah. And I don't know, like I've, I've heard, and you know, you've corrected some things I've heard in podcasts before, but I've heard that, you know, like the first 24, 48 hours that someone goes missing are really critical in terms of the outcome. I'm sure they were kind of thinking about that in the back of their minds. Mm -hmm. I think this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Least favorite parts. All right, let's go. We're already there. I want to start with video surveillance from the home where she lived. Oh, okay. Because yeah. we know she was there at right. one point uh-huh, in time uh-huh, uh-huh. for sure. So remember that a reporting staff member who called 911 and told them that they had a missing person? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you remember what time she said she definitely saw her in her room during room rounds? Like two or three o'clock, the one before dinner. Yeah, it was three o'clock. But according to the security cameras at the facility, she was actually seen leaving the facility through the front doors at three o'clock. The officers did make note um, that the. I I told you it was the nurse. The officers did make a note in a report in the report that the original claim of her being in her room at three was refuted by video evidence. I mean, I'm not saying that it it means anything. I just think it's interesting. And I think that the officers also thought it was interesting since they specifically mentioned it. Like they specifically said that lady told us that she saw her at three. (laughs) The test determined that was a lie. (laughs) Yeah, not. I mean, I guess it doesn't sound like they make a big deal out of it. They don't think she was trying to be deceptive, but no, I don't think they thought that. Interesting. Yeah. After the young woman left the facility, there was additional surveillance footage as she made her way down Main Street. Kind of like that deputy who was with the investigator said he thought he saw her potentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at 3.22 p.m., she was seen walking south on Main Street toward the main highway that goes through our town, where she appeared to stop briefly and interact with a statue. This timeline also matches with an eyewitness who said they saw her a little further down the road yelling at a stop sign. At 326, she was seen on a surveillance camera at a real estate office continuing in the same direction of travel. She's by herself. All she's by herself. She's by herself. Okay. She's by herself every time she's seen by surveillance camera or by an eyewitness. She's heading toward Walmart, which I mentioned earlier. The spot. They check the cameras at Walmart, but she's not seen on any of the cameras in Walmart between three and 8 PM, but they did say that the general merchandise. So, I mean, I, I think most Walmarts are this way now, but there's the grocery side and the everything else side. Mm -hmm. Apparently the cameras on the everything else side weren't working. So I don't think they can be hundred percent sure that she didn't go in Walmart, but they didn't see her on the cameras that were working. Think of the timing on that, man. I know. It's amazing how many of these people that they asked, her mom said, oh, she likes to go to Dollar Store and Dollar General. And there was one other place like McDonald's or something. Well, McDonald's had just gotten a new surveillance system. So they had gotten rid of all of their cameras from December. And one of those, the other Dollar Store, Dollar General, I can never remember what the difference is between those places, but one or the other of them were like, oh no, our cameras don't work. I'm just like, really? Why is that so common? We got got people to find. We got crimes to be solving. Like, Mm -hmm. what are y'all doing? And then you'll see like Ulta, which has like 5 million pixelated, perfect videography. Like (laughs) Ulta Uh has the security system of the gods. They got expensive stuff in there, man. Man. (laughs) 
Don't be stealing their makeup. They ain't playing with you. No one cares about how much is the dollar store now? A dollar five. No oh, one cares about the dollar five mascara. Ulta has like hundred dollar mascara. <laughs> so yeah, she was not seen. Like I said, there were two, like two dollar stores that her mom said she liked to go to. She wasn't seen on the camera footage from the Dollar General, which was the only one that had security cameras. The officers also received some security footage from Chick-fil-A. They received this on the 11th of December and the footage window was from 329 to 528 PM on the 3rd of December. The footage was really, really bad, and the road was partially obscured, not only because of the angle, but also because there was like a line of bushes in front of Chick-fil-A. So the officers received this, but they were working over, you know, the coming days to clean it up and make it actually usable. So I'm going to come back to this because okay, they, at this point, they're just working on cleaning that footage up. So we don't know what's in it yet. So there were also ground searches. They did a grid search on December 4th of a wooded area, new construction and neighborhoods along main street, essentially where she was Uh last seen walking. So it was three miles. And then it was about half mile in each direction of that road going off into the neighborhoods back there and the woods and basically everything on either side of that road she was seen on. They also did ground searches of known homeless encampments abandoned buildings, unsecured outbuildings on people's property and new construction sites along her likely path of travel. Well, I mean, it definitely sounds like they're doing everything that can be done. I'm I'm impressed when we read these police reports from our hometown and the surrounding (laughs) on, because it does sound like they do everything they can. And I think, unfortunately, that's not always the case. So I think it is nice to read these reports and see all that they're trying to, you know, bring this woman home safely. Yeah. And especially knowing that they're a smaller department, they're still Mm -hmm. out in full force. Mm -hmm. So remember that canine I mentioned? He is a bloodhound, by the way. And he's the same canine hero boy who performed searches in the last story that we talked about in the town up from ours. So it's the murderer he knows. His name is Duke. Cute. Cutie. So Duke and his handler initially went out, like I told you, on the evening of the third, the low temperature was right around 28 with the wind chill. So they were concerned by how cold it was going to be. They tracked the young woman's path from her home to that church with the clothes closet that she liked to go to. But since that was the opposite direction of her observed path of travel, the handler said that the result could have been caused by a previous trip she took there, Uh, especially because she went there pretty regularly. I mean, not that she went out in the community a lot, but that was one of the places she went when she did go out. Gotcha. So on December 7th, four days after she went missing, they deployed Duke again using a different scent that they obtained from her room. And this time they started further down her path of travel, about two miles down Main Street toward Walmart. I guess they just wanted to avoid other paths that she may have taken out of the facility that they knew weren't in the right direction of travel. Um, So for this search, Duke tracked down, continued down Main Street and to the grocery side of Walmart. Uh-huh. But since she wasn't seen at Walmart and there was, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know a lot about canines. I just know the little I've heard and read in other true crime things, but the humidity, the rain, the wind, there are all kinds of things that can move the scent mask the scent, push it. If you're in a hilly area, for example, it can get pushed down into the valley. I mean, these dogs noses are amazing, but they can't kind of overcome, you know, right. The difficulties of the environment that they're working in. Right. So since she wasn't seen at Walmart and there was freezing rain and snow falling during the search, uh, the previous day had been very, very windy and four days had passed. The handler suspected that her scent might've been cast further out than where it had originally been. And they, they still, 
they didn't think that she had been to Walmart. They, that didn't, you know, cause them to change their working theory. So Duke's not having any luck. That's not good. Poor Duke. He's a good boy. He tried. He did. So while they're searching the ground and they have Duke doing his searches, they also did drone searches followed by expanded ground searches on December 10th. The officers searched much further out than the evidence indicated was necessary, and they also continued to regularly check homeless encampments, hotels, motels, and a local homeless shelter. Hmm. While these searches continued throughout the month of December, officers also made more thorough contact with the missing woman's family and also with her boyfriend. Ah, suspect number two. And uh, they- is he number, I guess he's suspect number one, really. I don't remember what order you had them in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you had the nurse as suspect number one. Yeah, I can't remember. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Okay, you think I'll contemplate. It. Her mom, I do, I also want to say that around, like during the same time while the officers are doing all of this stuff, her mom, aunt, and grandma were also out there pounding the pavement. They were visiting businesses with pictures, asking if anyone saw her. They were handing out flyers and they were sort of doing their own investigative work, like searching through, they got her call log from their phone provider and they were searching through that to see who she was calling, who she was communicating with, if they could find anything there. They were also questioning residents and getting lots of tips about the young woman's comings and goings. Her mother, for example, told the officers that she received a story about a staff member who worked at the home where her daughter lived for two months during the time that her daughter lived there, who she was rumored to be having sex with in broom closets. And the mom was told this story by a resident. This is problematic. Yeah. And some people told her mom that she left to be with this guy, but the officers went and they talked to this kid who was like, he'd quit after working there for only two months and he lived with his parents and they cleared him. I mean, they talked to him, they cleared him, I guess. And, you know, when I read these reports, a lot of those details aren't in there, like how or why exactly they cleared him, but they decided that he wasn't involved in any way after meeting with him and talking to him. Interesting. Her mother was told another story by a resident that involved a female employee who was transitioning and a male resident hanging out. I just always wish people would see my air quotes hanging out by the railroad tracks air quote air quote and making the missing woman feel uncomfortable air quote air quote um but the cops were told that the female employee had no interest in women and that the male resident had Tourette's and would often wander the halls shouting out profanities which might have made the young woman feel threatened or uncomfortable I was talking about this story to a coworker though, and the coworker made the good point that rape or sexual harassment isn't always, or even generally about attraction. It's often about power. So when, when they mentioned that, I was like, yeah, I guess that is kind of a good point. And it's interesting that, I don't know, I feel like it's interesting that they just automatically wrote off all of these stories that many residents were telling her mom. You know what I mean? Well, and it's also like you said, what made them just be like, oh, nah, he ain't do it. He he good. Yeah. We ain't got never better idea where she is, but we know he don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm we sure know there's more for sure that all of these stories that these people are telling us are untrue. That seems kind of short-sighted. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it, it was more in-depth than that. Yeah. And like I said, I'm just reading these. Obviously these reports aren't complete and don't have all of the details in them. So, but it's hard not to kind of jump to conclusions. You're hearing all of these horrible stories about all of these bad things that were happening to her from her mom and the other residents and her boyfriend. And the only people that are saying it isn't true are the people that work there. And you're just going to automatically take their side without- so- So what was the boyfriend saying? We haven't gotten around to that yet. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on him very quickly. 
I, oh, I had a note here too, that officers and staff also noted that there are no railroad tracks literally at all in our hometown. I was literally, literally (laughs) about to ask where are the railroad tracks? Well, apparently there aren't any and not only not in our hometown, but nowhere near that facility. But they said that there were some relatively close to the place where she lived before moving in September. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if, you know, there was potentially a little bit of confusion or just, I mean, obviously nobody knows, but it was just an interesting note that I had. Yeah. I was literally going to ask, where are the railroad tracks? Yeah. They don't exist. Interesting so, that they were that a resident there was talking about that then. Yeah. Maybe that's why they started discrediting some of the stuff. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sure there are reasons that they discredited some of this stuff. It's just reading through these reports and it's not explained in detail. It's just like, yeah, we checked this out. Nope, it's not a thing. I would for me, I'm like, I would love more detail as to why that's just not there. So on December 10th, they met with that boyfriend you were asking about. They had apparently initially been hesitant to meet with him because they had had previous interactions with him and he was prone to becoming very emotional and irritated. They had also been told that he had paranoid schizophrenia and could be very easily upset by questions about his missing girlfriend. So they, I guess they didn't want, they were trying, they were just delaying the inevitable. In my opinion, it's not like you can't talk to this major figure in her life, but I guess they weren't super excited because they were worried he was going to get upset and stressed and that it might not be a very positive interaction. So the other facility must have been nearby for these local cops to be familiar with this guy. I have some more details later as to why they were familiar with him, but essentially it was because he called the cops on her behalf pretty regularly. Ah, yeah. Okay. So I have some details on that in a little while that we'll get into, but yeah, I think it was more over the phone that they'd had a lot of interaction with him. Interesting. Yeah. But apparently during this interview, he was actually very calm and seemed very willing to talk to the officers. He told them that he'd last talked to his girlfriend on December 2nd. And that on that day, as well as many other days, she told him she was being harassed by lots of people at the new home where she lived to have sex with them. Mm. He gave the officers lots of names of these people. They were staffs and residents who his girlfriend told him were threatening her for sex. A lot of the names were also provided by the missing woman's mom and by people she questioned who lived at the home. So it, it was some of the same people that I've already briefly, briefly mentioned the male resident with the, with Tourette's, the transgender female employee who was transitioning. There was also a guy there who supposedly sold people phones. If they didn't have phones, he was among this list of names that her boyfriend mentioned to the cops. There were about five or six people that he mentioned to them um, as people who were, who the girlfriend said were harassing her. So a lot of, a lot of suspects, yeah, a lot of persons of interest. Yeah. In addition to the stories that he mentioned to the cops, there were supposedly, this is just kind of like an indirect, this isn't boyfriend cop communication. This is boyfriend mom communication because a lot of her stories came from him in addition to the residents that she was kind of chatting with. And she told the officers that he told her all of these stories, but when the officers were actually interviewing the boyfriend, he didn't mention the stories. So I guess that kind of contributed to that. What of this is true? How many of these things are made up? Because the mom is going, well, the boyfriend told me this, the boyfriend told me that, but the boyfriend never mentioned it to the cops directly. Not to say he didn't tell them lots of stories, but they weren't all the same ones that the mom said she was getting from him. Interesting. One of the, the stories that the mom said came from the boyfriend, for example, that the boyfriend didn't mention was that her daughter claimed that the female staff member and the male resident I mentioned a couple minutes ago, forcibly raped her along with another guy and filmed it. That was another one of the stories that 
they essentially somehow determined did not happen. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, these are like multiple layers of, yeah. well, you, you alluded to something interesting, I guess we're going to circle back to in terms of multiple reports, I guess this young woman had a reputation of reporting things that were disprovable. I mean, I'm fascinated. So how could they just so quickly just nope, discard, nope, discard, nope, discard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I don't know. And I don't, I still don't know. It's not going to become clear by the end Mm -hmm. of the story. So they're talking to the boyfriend. They're waiting for him to bring up all these stories that the mom said she got from him. He doesn't necessarily bring up those stories, but he does bring up lots of stories. He does tell them that he doesn't believe that these things his girlfriend described to him were happening every single night, but he does believe her and he did think they were happening to her generally maybe not at the frequency she said but he did think they were happening he said once that she was so scared she insisted that he stay awake on the phone with her all night Mm. so she's at her new home he's where they used to live and he said he did hear her tell someone to leave her alone but he had no idea who that might have been and they didn't they never talked about it so yeah Which is fascinating because you wouldn't be like, hey, honey, what was that? Well, he said she was kind of difficult to communicate with, that she Mm -hmm. kind of talked in riddles and metaphors and she kind of talked in circles. And he and the mom also said that she kind of would mix up the use of words like harassment and rape and kind of use them interchangeably. And so maybe some of this was just in the way that she miscommunicated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times it seemed like she was the only one really that knew exactly what she was trying to say. So maybe something happened that was really more harassment and the way she explained it to her boyfriend or mom, you know what I mean? Not to say I have no idea what happened to her when or where or with who, but it did, it did seem to be pretty well supported by again, her boyfriend and her mom that she was kind of tough to communicate with. So there could have been something to that. Mm. There are so many layers to this for sure. Yeah. It's very involved, which is kind of part of the reason why it surprised me being another two-parter because when, you know, I read about it in the news, it just seemed pretty this woman disappeared. That's the end, but there was a lot to it. So officers also learned at this time, and I think I already mentioned this, that there was a resident who might've sold the young woman a phone. And they also learned about a man from the community who would provide rides for the residents of the home. So this gave them a couple more people to talk to while they continued their investigation. But one thing I noticed, I mean, I, While I was reading through the reports, it seemed pretty clear that almost from the beginning, the family and law enforcement were at odds. And I feel like you can kind of sense some of that officer writing the report sometimes is very defensive. He has a whole, Mm. and I don't know how normal or unnormal this is. He has a whole multi-page breakdown. The mom basically accuses them of not doing anything, which I think like, even from what we've read so far is very apparently not true. Right. And he has a multi-page report breaking down every single thing they had done to that point in an attempt to defend himself or prove her wrong almost, or just, I guess, just to support the integrity of the investigation, probably since it's in the report, it's not something public that he shared, but I just thought that was really interesting. One of the notes that he had, he said, the family continues to believe that several individuals, both residents and staff of the house are involved in an ongoing conspiracy to abduct, kill, and conceal the body of her daughter. And their allegations to me have become more and more serious without any foundation beyond the alleged word of her boyfriend with each contact I have with them multiple per day. The mom is reaching out to this guy, the mom, the grandma, the aunt, they're reaching out to this investigating officer, like constantly they're emailing him. They're calling him stories, 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 a new one every day. And it seemed like it was kind of making it difficult for him to do his job. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it didn't seem like their relationship was great from the jump. So I'm sure that sort of, because of course we understand it. Of course they're calling a hundred times a day, but of course we also understand that must've made it very difficult for him to do his job. So I'm sure it just continued to kind of further the chasm perhaps, which 
happens a lot in long-term investigations, unfortunately. I mean, it's a very difficult job to do to be in law enforcement. And unfortunately, it's thankless a lot of times as well. Mm-hmm. So by December 21st, still no sign of the young woman. Her family had hired a private investigator. And this is during the time that the officers were still actively investigating. It's not like Mm. they'd closed the case and the family disagreed and they hired this PI. And the officer even had a couple of notes in his reports that he was going to meet with the PI and that they were going to discuss details of the case. But I didn't know if you have any insight into what it means to be a PI and how they work with the officers do they always like what is that what could that relationship be like yeah i mean it's not something i deal with very frequently mm-hmm. i i haven't been involved in a lot of cases where families have hired private investigative services but mm-hmm. i think it, it obviously in my mind would depend on the private investigator i'm sure mm-hmm. there are private investigators mm-hmm. who are known in their communities and have law, law enforcement contacts and get along well yeah. and then there's probably those that don't i mean It's definitely not something I'm familiar with. So that, I think, I want to stop there today. So yeah, next week, there's some even more. I think this has all been very interesting. Like I said, I just got really hooked on all of the details of this case when I was researching, but I want to come back next week and talk about the rest of the month of December. There were some additional sightings that I thought were very interesting. We can come back to that Chick-fil-A footage that the officers are still trying Girl, to clean up. I'm finna come back to where is she at? I can't sit around a whole week just waiting. Well, I'm gonna tell you where she's at, but next week. <sighs> you and your cliffhangers. <laughs> I'm gonna re- I'm just read it as soon as we all right, y'all. Bye. I'm gonna go read the ending. <laughs> Sorry, y'all gonna have to wait. All right, well, next week, still pretend you don't know. Okay, got don't you, got you. spoil. Don't let us, I think that, I think that why this was so interesting to me is because I think that how this unfolded is very interesting and very important. And I'm not good at saying a little bit of what I wanna say without giving everything away. So I don't know exactly the little bit I wanna say, but I think there's a lot of important stuff still to go over and we're gonna go over it. In the meantime, until that point, you can always check us out on social media if you'd like more. Murderer You Know podcast on Instagram and at MYKpod on Facebook. You can go on our website, themurdererunowpodcast.com. You can send us an email at know at gmail.com. You can subscribe. You can review. Give us a rating. We would appreciate it. Tell your friends. Listen to old episodes. The choices are endless. <laughs> Don't so. worry. I'm a, I'm gonna forget to read. So I'm still gonna I'm still not gonna know what's going on next week. All right. Well, do you have anything to add? <laughs> All I can say is I am definitely interested to know what happens here next. All right. Well, adieu. 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 Adieu.